The Fake Show is brought to you by Hash House A Go-Go, the law firm of Hutchison & Stephan, Brew City Brand Apparel, The Food Connection, LV.com, and by Mr. Antenna. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Well, Jimmy J.J. Walker will always be known for his portrayal of James Evans Jr., or J.J., in the hit Norman Lear sitcom from the 70s, Good Times. He earned Golden Globe nominations for the role in 1975 and 1976, and is still out there touring as a stand-up. Now, he's got a new stand-up special, and I've got a ton of questions about those Good Times days. I've got J.J. on the line right now. How are you, buddy? How are you? I'm very good. I'm here in Las Vegas, and I know that you're here quite a bit. Are, are you living here by any chance? Yeah, I've been in Vegas since, oh, God, probably 1978, like there. I guess it has been a while. Congratulations, by the way, on your comedy special with Michael Winslow called We Are Here. That's great. Yeah, we're still here. <laughs> we are still here. <laughs> we are still here. Yeah. Yeah. When and where did you guys record this? We recorded it in L.A. at a at a venue that's probably thirty to forty years old called the Palace, and and uh, Brian Folk uh, uh, Weiss, who who does all the all all the specials and stuff, he wanted to go to a new place, and we record like ten people at a time, you know, and, and we had a lot of a lot of people on the show with us. So everybody took a day. We had Louis Anderson and Paul Rodriguez and and uh, and, and uh, uh, Daryl Hammond and Rita Rutner, who, who I still I think lives in Vegas actually. Right. We are like the third or fourth uh, of the group to finally get our special out there, and we love it. It's it's fabulous, and and it's new for us because uh, we're a little older group and we're not used to the streaming thing. So this is a streaming deal, but. Uh, so right. we'll allow that to happen. It's going to be, yeah. going to be peachy. I remember seeing clips of you on the Jack Parr show. How old were you at that oh point? Oh, my God. Really? Probably on YouTube. I don't mean to date myself. That was actually my first my first show. And, and, and the way that was very strange, the way that came about is uh, I was at the Improv in New York, and my, my class of people which included a lot of people, included uh, Bette Mittler and David Brenner and Steve Landisberg from the Barney Miller Show. We right. would sit around and talk after our sets. And, we, you know, we'd stay up to like 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was the only guy not doing television at that time. There were a thousand TV shows in New York. We had uh, David Frost and Dick Cavett and Joe Franklin. Johnny Carson was still in New York. And I said, oh, gee, I'm the only one not on TV. And, and, I, and they said, well, you should be on TV. And they said, well, I'm not on. So they went to Jack Parr and asked uh, Tom O'Malley, who was a talent coordinator, how about Jimmy Walker? And Tom O'Malley said, oh, we don't like Jimmy Walker. He's terrible. So <laughs> they said, well, if, if Jimmy Walker's not on, we're not on. So Bet and, 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 and Brenner took a very strong stand that I should be on. And doggone it, I got on the I got on the show, and luckily, uh, you know, luckily I got a few laughs, and from there we went on to whatever we claim that we do now, whatever that is. The thing that I always hear from comedians who were at the Improv or the Comedy Store or whatever, and that is Johnny Carson's show. That was the ultimate goal, right? Without a doubt, that was our, that was going to Mecca. That was it, man. That was the place yeah. to go. You know, being on that show is really important. How did you end up getting the part on Good Times? Because of the because of the Jack Parr show, I was able to get a, a job as what they call a, a warm up comedian. I got a job way 
or, or over 57 11th or whatever it was, warming up for a show called Carlucci's Department, which is a great idea now. It's about an unemployment office. And we had some great people on James Coco and Jose Perez and Candy Azar and a right. lot of other really good people. And the casting director for Norman Lear, Pat Kirkland, saw me do the warm-ups. And luckily, I was getting a few uh, a few chuckles. So she brought Norman Lear by to see me do the warm-ups. And they said, well, we're doing a show in, uh, in Los Angeles. It's the Escarole show. Would you like to be on the show? I thought they were fibbing to me. I had no idea. I think it was idea. I said, if the show goes, let me know and whatever. Because people, I don't have to tell you, you know, you've been in radio for a thousand years. Right. People are always fibbing to you. People say, yes, I'm going to do this. So you just go, yeah, well, if you get it, uh, let me know. And doggone it, it happened. And it just, I mean, I never auditioned or did anything like that. My audition was doing my act. And usually most of the stuff, you know, uh, and working on the strip here, you know, at the trough or whatever. And, uh, and matter of fact, September 8th, uh, we'll be at the Cannery Casino. Nice. So if you're around September 8th, we'll be there with the Soul Jam show with the Stylistics and the Delphonics and Harold Mellon Blue Notes and all that stuff like that. But we got the show from that. That's how that happened. It happened literally from just doing the Jack Parr show, which led to a lot of other antennas. So... Uh, television at that time was a major, major force. Jimmy, I've heard the story about how you finally go to the first table read. The whole cast is sitting there. You really know that you've been doing the whole deal. I, you know, I went to the first table read, and uh, they're reading the script. And being a comic, you're very, very direct, okay? Very direct. Right. They're reading the script, and, and I go to the guy sitting next to me, and I go, man, this stinks. And the guy uh, looks at me like I'm insane. So I get up and I walk away and Alex Alex Manning comes up to me and says, uh, the guy you were sitting next to was Norman Lear. And I didn't know who Norman Lear was. And Norman Lear obviously had been part of the writing team. And they they came down on me, I don't have to tell you, like a ton of bricks. Yeah. You cannot talk to people that way. Because when you're a comic, you, I mean, you just, anything goes. I mean, you, you know, in town here we have Andrew Dice Clay and we used to have Sam Tennyson. So people talk like that. But then, boy, oh boy, I learned my lesson very well because I had to put on asbestos underwear because they burnt <laughs> my old underwear. <laughs> the other thing I heard you got blasted for by Lear is when you suggested that your very attractive co-star, Bernadette Stannis, do a pinup poster similar to what Farrah Fawcett did. And how did that go for you? You know what happened? I was doing a guest appearance on The Fall Guy, okay? This shows you how long this goes by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have those, they have those pallets, you know, that they line up and they, and they lift stuff on those, those cranes and stuff. I said to the guy, what are those pallets? What's all those boxes and stuff? They said, those are Farrah Fawcett's pinup uh, posters. And if you remember, she had a, a tremendous poster that everybody went crazy about. Right, Everywhere right. I go, people go, Bernadette Stanis, who plays Thelma, they said, Thelma is so gorgeous. God, we love to have pictures of her. We love to have this of her. We just love her. So I said, my heck darn it, old fiddly Thelma <laughs> In a one-piece bathing suit like Farrah Fawcett, we could sell me. And I was thinking of, you know, because there's no black pinup people, right? 
Yeah. yeah. None of that. And here comes Norman Lear. And he says, hey, did you just suggest that Bernadette, our girl, you know, would virtue and everything? <laughs> I said, yeah, Norman, it'd be great. We have a ton of photographers here, and we can put Bernadette in a base. He says, just because you are illicit. <laughs> don't right. try to make our girl Bernadette part of your disease culture. <laughs> I was not even being... Ugly or anything. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a great idea to make money. I mean, I mean, you know, you look, the Kardashians last, she only made a quick $70 million. And I seem to remember that she ended up posing a lot of times in bathing suits after that. Not really. No, no, she won't do it. Every time we do it, we do a ton of autograph shows around the country, right? And I say, what is that? Why not? Because people come up to the table, you know, when you sign the autograph. Oh, God, you're beautiful. When I was a kid, I used to dream, you know, you're the best and this and that. And she still really won't do it. And I go, oh, man. You know, <laughs> she has one little, she did one little dance video. And I said, you should make that like a little 10-minute 10, 10 video and sell the video. I'm mercenary. I live in Vegas. How can we monetize this thing, man? <laughs> you just won't do it. I wanted to ask you one more question. This is kind of a rumor that I had heard, that when they were casting the show, the uh, the guy who played your younger brother, Ralph Carter, wasn't exactly available contractually. He was doing a play called The Raisin. Could, they couldn't get Ralph, so they brought in a stand-in to work for Ralph. Larry Fishburne. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. The guy who did the part. Right. That shows you how the work was in those days. And Larry Fishburne, they told him, they said, uh, we're waiting for Ralph, but, you know, we're going to use you up until when we can get Ralph. So I'm not kidding. It was like a day before. So he figured, well, they can't get Ralph. I got the part. Yeah. And literally six hours before the show was to shoot, they got Ralph. And Larry was, Lawrence was so hurt because he thought, you know, by, he, he a week before he would have said, all right, you know, they got Ralph. But here we are, six hours before the show is to shoot, and they bring in Ralph. But you know the strange thing about it? The careers have been so different. Every time I see Lawrence, I said, man, imagine if you, if you had been cast in our show instead of doing the career that you've had. Lawrence right. had an incredible career. An incredible career. You know stuff. I like that. Always liked you. I wish I could talk longer with you. Your new comedy special with Michael Winslow is called We Are Still Here, and it's out there, as you say, on Amazon and Comcast, DirecTV, all the streaming areas. Hope to see you here in uh, September at the Cannery. It was great talking to you, Jimmy. Hey, beautiful, man. September 8th, Soul Jam, Cannery. See ya. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care. Good luck to you. There he goes. I love the stories about how he got the show and then put his foot in his mouth on a couple of occasions, especially at that first cast meeting. Also love the fact that the guys that he came up with, like Steve Landisberg, David Brenner, and Richard Lewis, had each other's backs. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of The Fake Show. I am Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes.